I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. This is your Kick-Ass Live podcast, episode number 109 with guest Katie Dalebout. All links and resources you hear on this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 109. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Ass kickers, how are you? As always, I am so glad that you are here, ready to listen to another podcast episode. And I just, every time I start to record these episodes, I just get overwhelmed with gratitude that you're here. So thank you. Thank you to all of you who have left reviews in iTunes. That means the world to me, reading those and just knowing that you're listening and knowing that you are are gaining tools and walking away with aha moments and takeaways. Oh, I just, I can't even. I mean, that's why I do this. That's absolutely why I do this is to be in service to you. And thank you for those of you that share the podcast. I see some of you tagging your friends on Instagram and Facebook and telling your friends about it. And thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I wanted just to give you a quick reminder before we jump into today's guest. If you haven't received it yet, I have a offer for you that is absolutely free. It costs zero dollars. It is an ebook that I wrote and an accompanying, that's a hard word to say, accompanying, accompanying. I think I'm saying it right. At any rate, it's an ebook and an audio and it's free and it's called How the Shit Talking in Your Head is Making You Crazy and Three Ways to Change It. Very easy. If you're on your phone right now, all you have to do is text the word kick ass, make that all one word, to 444-999. The word kick ass to 444-999. They will ask for your email address. And by they, I mean me. You know, I'm not going to like give your email address to third. Who does that? Do people still do that? I think they do because I'll sign up for something and get emails and it's so frustrating. Anyway, I digress. I will not do that. So I will send you, I will send you the ebook and audio that goes with it. And it's really awesome because it's three concrete tools that you can take now and implement in your life to help you with your inner critic. Because you know how much I love to talk about the inner critic and you know how much I love to teach you all to manage 
that shit talker in your head. So I always say we can't get rid of it, but we can certainly manage it and transform it into something that sounds like self-kindness and self-compassion instead of self-criticism. So that is the word kick-ass to 444-999. Get that sent over to you pronto. And so let's move on to today's guest. So excited to tell you about the topic that we're going to talk about. Oh, and... We are going to give away a book. So Katie Dale Bout, I'm going to tell you about Katie in just a minute and obviously then into the interview with her, but there's a giveaway. So Katie has generously offered to give away a book to one of my listeners. So all you have to do to be in the running to win a copy of the book is come on over to either my Facebook page or my Instagram account. Both of those can be found at Your Kickass Life. And it's facebook.com forward slash Your Kickass Life or instagram.com forward slash Your Kickass Life. Find the image where you'll see this podcast and leave us a comment about what was your biggest takeaway. From this interview, what was your biggest takeaway about journaling, which is what we're going to be talking about? This contest will go from today, uh, when this is released, July 27th through Wednesday, August 3rd, 2016. So from any time during those dates, come on over to either Facebook or Instagram on my page, find the image where we are promoting this episode and tell us your biggest takeaway. And a winner will be picked at random on August 3rd, and we'll let you know who is the lucky winner of Katie's book. So let me tell you a little bit about Katie. Katie Dalebout curates inspired wisdom for women through her writings, podcasts, videos, workshops, and coachings. She believes every woman deserves happiness and guides them to discover their unique version of a holistic wellness wonderland that leads to everyday joy. Katie knows that beyond the physical body lie inquisitive souls who want to experience all that life has to offer. It is evident Katie brings her personal journey and her passion to guide and share with others to every medium she puts her attention and creative inspiration. Katie's a contributor to Refinery29, Mind Body Green, and has been featured in Teen Vogue, Yahoo Health, and the Daily Mail. In 2013, she launched a weekly interview podcast, Wellness Wonderland Radio, which attracted wellness and lifestyle celebrities such as Gabrielle Bernstein, Tara Stiles, and Joe Cross. She believes exploring creativity is the gateway to developing a positive body image and true holistic wellness. Her first book, Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling, is a collection of journaling tools to help people get to know themselves beyond their physicality. So without further ado, here is Katie. Ass Kickers, we are here and we are live with another episode of the podcast. I'm here with Katie Dalebout. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to hang out with you and all the ass kickers. I love that. It's so funny. So this morning, I don't know what time it was, probably around six, maybe just before six, I was dreaming about this interview, which is like Ooh. kind of creepy for me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I woke up thinking about journaling and thinking about talking to you and kind of like, you know, playing the conversation in my mind. And then I, w- I fully came to and I was like, that was weird. I've never dreamt about a guest before I've had them on. So that's a first. Congratulations. Cool. Thank I you. I feel super honored. <laughs> kind of creepy. But no, oh, I'm I very, I'm excited to have you here because 
Journaling is one of those things that I've never specifically talked about with anyone in all these episodes. So I'm excited to talk about that. And you have a new book out. And I just, I know how exciting that is having had one myself. And so congratulations on that first and foremost. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. We were talking before this about the whole process of it. And it was just so nice to talk to someone who understands it and and gets it. And yeah, it was great. So thank you. Yeah. And what we were talking about earlier, I just mentioned it really quick for people who, because I know a lot of people listening have probably thought about writing a book or even thinking of some endeavor that's just as big, whether it's a creative endeavor or a personal or a professional one. And it's that feeling of like, oh my God, you know, my friend Joe Casey says new level, new devil. And it's so true. So if that's you and you are dragging your feet on it, my one piece of advice that I want to say before we jump into the interview is get support. And by that, I mean someone that like you can call and be like, I'm so scared to do this. <laughs> can you hold yeah. my hand through it and, you know, drag me along the way? Yeah, totally. I need a lot of support around me 24 seven. It's a village. <laughs> yes, it really does <laughs> so much. All right. Well then let's jump in. So tell us like first and foremost, I want to know what your personal experience with journaling was that led you to write an entire book about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I was doing an event yesterday here for the book and someone was talking about they were so excited that they were there because they're like, I've been journaling since I was seven years old and I always keep diaries and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I never did that. Like, I just was not someone who journaled when I was a kid or a teenager. I wish that I did. It probably would have helped me a lot, but I just was never someone that did that. And even in college, I never really journaled. And at the very end of college, I was going through something that I know, Andrea, you can relate to. I was healing an eating disorder. So I was surrounded by mentors and coaches and therapists and lots of support around me, almost smothering me. And I felt very much alone, even though I was surrounded by people. And I had a gift card. I remember this very clearly to a bookstore. And I was like going around in the self-help section. And then I was just like, ugh, I've like done all of this. I've read all of this. What do I even do? And I like ran over to the stationery section or I just looked over there and I remember seeing this colorful journal and I was like, I'm going to buy that and I'm going to write in it. And nobody told me to do it. I don't know where I got this idea that it would be helpful to me. And I didn't even know if it would be, but I bought this journal with my gift card. This was basically free. And then I spent that summer outside just sitting and writing about how I was feeling and being really raw and real for the first time ever. I was unfiltered and I was writing out how I was actually feeling. I was getting to know myself and I was just letting it out in this journal and it felt cathartic to me. I didn't know why at the time at all, but I just kept doing it because it made me feel validated in some way. Mm -hmm. It made me feel seen in some way, even though I was just, you know, seeing myself for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get, you know, as you know, we have so many thoughts in our mind. We have limiting beliefs up there. We have like stuff we picked up from childhood, you know, stuff that we picked up from other people. And we really need to sort through, you know, what we want to listen to and what we want to use to create reality and what is just old stuff holding us back. And so I didn't know that at the time, but that's what I was doing. I was getting out of my head onto the page and 
by it being a journal that I knew no one was going to read and that I knew I was safe writing in, I was completely, like I said before, unfiltered, raw, real, even to a level that was different than with someone safe, like a friend or a mentor or therapist. Because I think I'll speak for myself. There's always a little bit of filtering that happens. A little, I call it like always a little tiny bit of bullshitting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think like I maybe have it like more than some people and people probably can relate to this as people pleasers. Like I want my therapist to like me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, and I know that yeah, and I know that's like not the point, but that's how I was feeling in all of this. I've, and I think with an eating disorder too, I've thought about this a lot lately. You are kind of lying, you know, you're kind of like putting on this front all the time to the world. Like I'm okay. I've got this under control when you might not. And so I was very comfortable with lying to myself and other people. And so this journal allowed me to be real for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time at least. And it wasn't just that I was, it was cathartic just, you know, writing it out. It allowed me to become eventually more real in my relationships and in my therapy and like get deeper. And because I was, you know, letting out this unfiltered version, sorting through that, and then I could, you know, go deeper with someone else. And so I just felt this relief after I started doing it. And yeah, I mean, I can go on from there and like how it became a book, but that's kind of how I found it. That's so interesting. And I love that you brought up the topic around how even the most vulnerable of us, like even the people that are, you know, seemingly really authentic. You know, I'm talking about myself, by the way, if anybody is like wondering who I'm talking about. I have this friend. No, <laughs> no, but I do. I think I consider myself a very real person. Like I tell my listeners, like they know everything about me yeah. except the color of my underwear, which I'd be happy to tell them. But yeah, I think same. That I think we're a lot alike. You know. <laughs> and that's been a process. I haven't always been like that. I've taken several classes with Masterclass on things like communication, entrepreneurship, and storytelling, and absolutely loved everyone because of their caliber of instructors and how concise the classes are. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. You can make new habits with New York Times bestselling author James Clear, improve your physical and mental well-being with leading gut health experts, or build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perez. She is so amazing. I had gotten curious about how to be a better communicator, so I took the Art of Negotiation class with Chris Voss, and it helped me to do things like read body language, read speech patterns, and so much more, so I can better communicate with who, you ask? My teenagers. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. 
So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. But I still think, I mean, this was just recently, I was talking to my best friend, Amy, you know, Amy Smith. And I love she, um, you. you guys are like the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm actually really uncool in real life, Katie. No, <laughs> I don't believe that. For I a second. A, there was an episode that came out a few weeks ago about how I made such an ass hat of myself at the Rob Bell event in North Carolina. You guys, if anyone has not listened to that episode, please. Go oh, I'm going to go back and listen to it. Yeah. I forget which episode it is. I'll tell you in a second. I think it was 96 okay. or 97. Oh God, it was bad. All right. But I think that uh, I was telling Amy and Amy's been like the first best friend that I've had where I can bring anything to her and she wouldn't judge me. Like I know in my heart that like anything and she wouldn't judge me. However, mm-hmm. like I can know this like logically, but there's still like that primal, part like you know like the the old brain in me who is like no 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 she's still probably gonna think you're crazy and reject you and not love you you and leave you because you know a lot of people in my life had I mean you get to be I know you're a lot younger than me but you get to be a certain age and you've probably had your heart broken by now and I do I think that that's deep and that goes really deep and so my point is is that yeah, I think that there's still these like stories that we have or like these situations that we don't want to get in where if we behave this way or if we tell this person this thing, like for me, it was I was terrified to completely fall apart in front of her. I'm terrified to completely fall apart in front of anybody. But I think that like when you journal it, I mean, I, I have old journals where I was writing in all caps so huge, like it would just be like barely a sentence on one page. And it just like the emotion and the tears on the page, like that for me also was the place where I could totally just unleash Mm -hmm. and pray to God, nobody ever found it. (laughs) Yeah. It's really interesting how I was feeling that way a couple months ago, many months ago, I was feeling that same way. Like I have so many friends, so many people in person and a lot around the world that I don't get to see on a daily basis that I talk to frequently, but, and I feel close with them and I know things about them and they know things about me, but I've never really, since our relationships had begun, I'd never really had something vulnerable or really intense that I needed to share before or not even like that intense just like vulnerable and I just hadn't like taken it to that level yet and so I was really like ah who do I turn to how does this work like I just hadn't had something like Mm -hmm. that yet and so then I was kind of like wow I have all these people but like who can I be really real with? And I think it's really important to not only like have the friends that you feel like you can be real with, but take that chance on someone and be real with them and show them your vulnerability, which I know we both are like huge fans of Renee Brown's work. So we know that how you know important that is and crucial that is, but it gives someone else the ability to be there for you and it brings you guys so much closer. So I think, you know, using your journal can kind of be a way to be the training wheels for that. You know, I find that 
when I process something first by myself in my journal, it might start off really dark and really all caps. But then if I keep going, a lot of times I start to self-soothe and I don't even try to. I start to self-coach myself, you know, where it's something like, you know, today was horrible, but tomorrow is better, you know, Mm -hmm. and like that's like very simplistic, but it'll kind of start to self-soothe. And then that way, when I do have a conversation with a friend, I can come to it from a little bit more of a not a healed place per se, but a. more yeah process and like more self-aware so I can even get more help from them than I would have if it was just more chaotic when I brought them the initial situation Mm -hmm. so I mean you kind of alluded to it a few minutes ago but I wanted to specifically ask you why have you found that journaling is such an effective tool in personal development in general but also like in something that everybody wants like finding happiness yeah I mean I think the biggest thing about it that has helped me so far is the self-awareness piece. You know, I think especially, you know, in our 20s or 30s or whatever age you are. But I think especially, you know, when you're trying to figure out who you are, which I assume happens every decade, it's really important to take that inventory of people might ask you how you're feeling. But how many times do you really like ask yourself and get honest with yourself. And I had been putting on so many masks in my entire life, you know, throughout my teens and college in my early 20s. Like I had just been wearing all of these masks all the time. And I didn't really know who I was beyond that. And journaling allowed me to figure out, you know, what do I even like? Who am I even? And what do I even want in the world? It allowed me to have that freedom to list out my desires and list out my emotions. And that clarity has helped me so much to find happiness because I think without that direction, without putting something in your GPS for how you want to feel, you're never going to really get there because you don't even know where you're going or you might just be driving in circles. And so I think the self-awareness piece is huge. And then being okay with the shadow sides of yourself, the parts of you that, you know, you have shame or guilt or fear about and you're afraid to tell other people, I think it's important to get that out of your head and onto the page. And then from there, you can sort through like, okay, maybe I don't feel safe enough to tell this to anyone yet, but at least I can see it right here. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's not that bad. And maybe I can do this to help it. Or maybe I can share it with someone now. And it it just is helpful. So that's kind of the biggest way that it's helped me is just the self-awareness alone. I think that's huge. I totally agree with you. And for me, I've been an inconsistent journaler. I'll admit it. And it's funny, I still have my diary from when I was, my gosh, I think I was like in second or third grade. It was a Hello Kitty Mm -hmm. diary. And I wrote about my friends and I wrote about who I skated with at the Aquarius (laughs) roller skating rink. And I was mad at my parents because they wouldn't, oh my God, it's hilarious. They wouldn't, my mom didn't want to watch my puppet show. And I, as a grown up, I'm like, that is so my mom. (laughs) Uh Just hilarious things like that. But And then I journaled all throughout my childhood and into my teens and a little bit in my 20s, usually when I was just like raging. And then I stopped for a really long time and then picked it back up again when I was probably about 30 or 31, really like when my whole life fell apart. It really underlines your talking about that self-awareness piece is that when I would journal, I would go back and read what I wrote. And sometimes I would go back and read it like right after I wrote it. And other times it was like a day or two or longer later. And 
so many times I would read what I wrote and it would sort of be reiterating what my intuition was telling me. The biggest one was get out of the relationship that you're in. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Stop doing this to yourself. And so it was almost like I was reading a letter from like a really amazing fairy godmother or something like that. Yeah. You know? It's weird. And I love having it now because I journaled a lot on a computer too. Like when I was too afraid of people finding it and I was like, I need to password protect this. But I love now years and years later watching the progression of my own growth. That was pretty amazing. I don't know if you've seen that too in your own journaling. Yeah, it's really interesting. And people ask me a lot, you know, what do you do with the journals after? Do you think you should read them again? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. I will say that recently I've gone back and read some of my old journals from even just like a year ago or two years ago. And it's crazy that me to be like, wow, I don't think that way anymore. Or I've improved so much. Mm -hmm. And to see that growth is really beautiful. But I think also, you know, there's something... I tell people, and this goes back to what you were saying before about not journaling every day. Like I don't journal every day. I journal, you know, as much as I can, as much as I, sometimes I feel pregnant with like something that needs to come out of me Mm -hmm. that I just have to like get out of me. And that I kind of call SOS journaling. And I think it's good to do like maintenance journaling as well, which is like, you know, a more regular practice with it. I think it's all good, but you know, as women and people in general, but especially women, let's be real. We have so many shoulds and like obligations and things, especially in like personal growth. Anyone who's listening to this probably is like, I got to meditate now and I'm supposed to exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jesus, like it's like so much stuff. So I am not here to add another thing to your list. Like just know that. However, I think this practice is so beneficial and so crucial. And the coolest thing about it for me is that it forces you to be present. You know, you really can't be Mm-hmm. Like most other things in our lives, you can listen to a podcast and, you know, watch the dishes and also, you know, be talking to someone else. And you can also be like multitasking, which, you know, that's fine, whatever. I think mindfulness is great and all, but I multitask a bunch as well. But I think with journaling, there's something about the presence that it forces you into, which is really, you know, unparalleled to any other wellness activity for me, even, you know, meditation or yoga, like there's something about this that you have to be so present with your feelings and it doesn't always feel good. You know, it's kind of like exercise in that way where it's like, it feels good after, but there's no way to do it wrong except to write for someone else and not for yourself and not be authentic and raw and real. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing that, you're putting the mirror up in your face of what you're actually feeling, what your actual emotions are. And like we were saying before, you know, we don't want to do that as humans. You know, we want to cope. We don't want to feel our feelings. We want to cope with them by, you know, eating over them or not eating over them or being in relationships, you know, whatever over them. Right. But journaling forces you to like put that mirror in your face and look at them. And once you do, Once you let them out, once you process them in some way, the really cool thing, and I I should have said this before when you asked about the benefits, is that you can really hear your intuition loud and clear through journaling. And that's something that's been 
my greatest gift from it is there's even a tool. I think it's one of the last tools it's called, you know, like writing to God or your higher power, or your intuition or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it asks you some questions and you use different color pens and whatever. And it is really a transformational tool, I guess, because it allows you to hear that inner dialogue voice so strong and you can actually see what your intuition is trying to tell you just from letting out the raw real thoughts because you see these patterns of like I'm unhappy about this I'm unhappy about this I'm unhappy about this you see that enough times you'll be like oh well here's a pattern obviously this is how you change it you know and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not that obvious but it helps you sort through it you know yes a million times yes and that was my next question to you actually and you sort of already answered it about finding and feeling emotions because I know that I've, I've done surveys on my audiences and a lot of them have said that numbing is one of the behaviors that they do pretty regularly. It's like, we don't want to feel any of the feelings. And I know personally, and I, I talk about this a decent amount. I mean, I just, I sort of even still kind of feel like I'm in the like adolescent stage of feeling my feelings. I think I'm past the infancy Dude, stage. Me that too. Was like in 2011, I got sober and you know, for me, here's what it looked like. Just a quick recap for anybody that doesn't know. So all through my 20s, late teens and through my 20s, I struggled on and off with an eating disorder. I was a severe codependent and a raging love addict. So those were my go-to behaviors of choice. I was emotionally numb and really emotionally illiterate. I grew up in a house where I was loved a lot. However, we didn't really talk about feelings or there wasn't any vocabulary around it. So we didn't do that. We put everything under the rug, hoping it would go away. And so that's what was modeled for me. That's what I learned. My parents did the best they could. I actually don't blame them at all. So Then when everything fell apart, when I was around 31, I went and got help for those three addictions that I was telling you about. And I was all proud of myself and happy. And then I started drinking a lot. (laughs) And, and, you know, that was through two pregnancies. I did not drink while I was pregnant. But, you know, as soon as those babies were out, I was back up on it. So when I got sober, when I was 2011, I was like grasping at something. I'm like, you mean I felt naked and raw, like all the feelings came up and I was 37 when I got sober, 36 or 37. It was a lot. It was, you know, three and a half decades of feelings coming up to the surface. And so I know all that to say, I know how to numb. Like I've got that down yeah. to science. And what's also interesting is that I have just realized within the last few months that I can even numb my feelings without having any kind of substance, like, you know, without working too much or drinking or eating or any of it, I can just do it. I can like shut it on and off, which is kind of scary. So what that has to do with journaling for me is that also as a writer, I write for a living. So every time I would sit down to write, my first thought was, okay, what am I going to write for my blog? What am I going to write for my podcast? Is this going to go on the book? And so I had an epiphany where I was like, what if I just write for myself? So if anyone's listening yeah. to like a blogger or a writer where you put stuff out there, whether it's to your Facebook status or Twitter or you know a blog or a book, I think it is such a huge element of self-care to write for yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I just like put on some Adele, like that will get the rivers <laughs> flowing and just write. And sometimes I start with the first sentence of, I don't even know where to start and then just start going from there. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. That's actually a question I have for you is what advice do you have for first time journalers? I mean, somebody that's never picked up a pen to quote unquote journal, where do they even start? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I'll answer that in a second, but your family situation and your like early life mirrors mine so much. It's crazy. It's really common. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's really common. So maybe it's not that crazy, but (laughs) I just really, we're like twin souls, you and me, Katie. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think that's the question I get the most often. And especially as writers, usually I get the opposite question, which is like, well, I'm not a writer. I wouldn't have anything to say. And for those people in that camp, you know, my answer is always, well, you know, you, can do this type of journaling because it's innate to all of us. It's simply writing as we speak. You know, if you can send a text message, you can journal. If you can write an email, you can journal. If you can speak, you can journal. So that's that. But then on the other end of things, for people who are writers or have to do a lot of writing in their work, they usually say to me, like, I already write. Like, I don't want to do more writing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an interesting thing because the writing that you do for yourself can just be for yourself. And I think that's important that when you go into it, you're not attached to it being for someone else, that you really are writing raw and real. However, I'll find that every once in a while, I never make this my intention, but every once in a while, there will be something in there that is a gem that becomes a blog post or an idea or something I talk about on my podcast, or a conversation I need to have with someone, right? So every once in a while, there is a gem in there that does become repurposed and and used. But I never go into it with that intention, you know, because I think if I do, it will change the work, it'll become something else, it'll become writing, and it won't become journaling. Exactly. So I think that that's important. But knowing that, you know, it does happen, it's not uncommon. So it will improve your writing by journaling, I think for sure. So that's that. And as far as you know, getting started, you said it right there. It's one of those things that 
you just have to start. That's, you know, there's this great Yogi Bhajan quote, and he says, when the time is on, you start and the pressure will be off. And, you know, we've all felt that way, or I definitely have felt that way. When I have like a to-do list a mile long and I'm really overwhelmed, sometimes if I just, you know, eat the frog or whatever they call it, and I just like get two things done, I'm like, huh, I feel better. Like I still have 20 more, but I feel better because I just started and that momentum will carry you. So I think just trying and there's this great, you know, Kurt Vonnegut quote that I say like all the time because I love it so much. And it's definitely in the book somewhere. But he says, we are what we pretend to be. So be careful what you pretend to be. And I don't really know how he meant it. But what I take from that is you're going to feel like you're a fraud. You're going to feel like you're pretending to journal. I feel that way when I start anything new, you know, like I'm trying to play the ukulele and I'm trying to like do <laughs> lots of things and I'm like really bad at them. And I feel like a fraud and I feel like I'm pretending and because it's new for me, but I'm going to keep going because I eventually, and I know this has happened with other things, you know, I felt like I was pretending to podcast for years, but then I was like, oh, I think I actually am a podcaster now, mm -hmm. you know, and we are what we pretend to be. So just pretend to journal and eventually you will be, you know, there's no wrong way to do it other than to do it for someone else. So just do it for yourself, get started with it. And, you know, as far as like sitting down and, and a lot of people have worry around the fact act of like, well, if I sit down, I just won't have anything to say. Well, first of all, I have a book for you. I literally wrote the book because people are giving me like, so much resistance. So, no so that's excuses, why I wrote girls. the book. Yeah. However, like for people who might not have the book yet or, you know, whatever, it's just as simple as asking yourself a good question and you'll get a good answer. So if you ask yourself a good question, that self-inquiry can let your intuition come forth and bring you like a really great answer. So, you know, if you ask a question like framed really negatively, right? Like why is everything so terrible? Then your intuition and your mind will seek out evidence to support why things are so terrible and give you a really great answer for that. Mm -hmm. But if you reframe the question to say, you know, how can things improve from my current situation? You'll seek out evidence in the other direction. So it's about, you know, asking a productive question. I don't think that journaling should be super positive all the time because I don't think that that's how life is. And I think it's important to go into it with that kind of a mindset. And like we were talking about so much throughout this interview that it is really cathartic to let out those raw, real thoughts. But it's not super productive to stay in that. Just like I was starting to say before about, you know, reading the old journals. I think it's cool to see your growth. However, I don't think reading my old negative thoughts is like that productive for me. So I don't really do it. A lot of times I journal and I just throw it away. Sometimes it can be triggering or it can take you out or it can just not be that productive. So I think it's about, you know, knowing yourself and being honest with yourself. And like, you're all smart ass kickers here. So like, we all know what is good for us. And it's about just being honest with that and doing that and knowing if you feel like you're journaling and you feel like, oh, I'm writing this to like try to make my words really pretty for someone else, like just pivot and go back to another way or I'm staying in the negative and I'm just stewing here. Like I've let out enough. How can I write about how I can improve this and really, you know, coach yourself through that. And I find that, you know, if I do a really like free formed journaling where you know, I don't know. Are you familiar with the artist way and morning yeah, pages? The morning pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like if I'm doing something like that, 
then I find that I really do start to self-soothe as I go down the page. I don't even try to. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it becomes more innate to do that. And my book, you know, has tools in all different areas to guide you, you know, through all these things. There's tools from like getting organized. There's tools about body image and decluttering and like everything you could ever want a tool for. But I think the best tool and what the actually like spoiler alert, the final tool is a tool to help you create, you know, custom tools for yourself, which is all about asking good questions, getting good answers. Wow. Okay. So just real quick for anyone listening, we kind of ran over the artist's way. And so all the links and resources are going to be at yourkickasslife.com forward slash 109. There will of course be links to Katie's book and her podcast and any other resources we mentioned here, but I love, and you said, I just wanted to go back and like highlight that you said, get honest with yourself. I have my only tattoo right now is to thine own self be true. It is tattooed on my foot because I think that really like my entire life changed the minute I got honest with myself and more specifically for me what that meant was like looking at what I needed to take responsibility for like what was I tolerating it's like so for anybody who's like my life is so terrible and you want to journal about that like what is your part in it like and I'm not a huge fan of like self shine the light on what are you tolerating that you have a choice about because I mean I don't know about y'all but I was a blamer by the way chapter about that in my book too it's like if everyone else would just change my life would be so much better oh my so gosh like, yeah you like write about that like what what do you want and that's what's important to go look back on because the thoughts are already like running around like crazy in your head in a hamster wheel get them out on paper yeah shine a light yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah you're so cool <laughs> <laughs> i'm about to get mad up in here and drop the mic and get sweaty <laughs> no you're like the coolest i'm so glad well, i'm I talking just, to it you is, right it's now it's one of those things where it's like i just know it was so incredibly humbling and made me a little angry at myself that i just was like it was sort of one of those things where you you get to a point in the road where both outcomes suck so it's like oh okay I continue with tolerating everything that's going on in my life, i.e. relationships and people that won't act the way I want them to, or I walk away from them. Both of those suck. So which one sucks worse? And for me, like I came to that realization and stayed for a long time. It was like, well, the staying sucks a little bit less, so I'm going to do that. And then personally, the choice was made for me. But and I don't know if I would still be in a lot of the situations I was in before. I think that journaling, oh God, I look back at my journals and I'm just like, wow, like the shit I was putting up with. It just yeah. like, so get it out on paper. I wish that I would have done it more. I wish that I would have journaled more. And there's so much to be learned. You know, that whole like hindsight's 2020. Mm -hmm. So it's still like journaling will show you that journaling will show you your hindsight. And sometimes you may still be in it. So you can see. Yeah. I mean, that's what it really did for me originally. You know, I think I was able to have that friend, that support that, you know, have you ever just like, I'm sure like this probably happens with Amy for you. Like you are on the phone with a friend and you just share, you just let it out. Right. You just like share all of, you know, maybe a specific situation. I just did this with one of my close friends yesterday. And, and then you solve your own problem. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Or you hang up the phone and you just feel relief by yeah. like sharing it with someone. Yeah. And journaling is like a mini version of that with yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And it really, it sounds so elementary or it sounds so silly even, but for whatever reason, getting it out of your head onto paper is so cathartic and really is life-changing for me. And I'm not even like trying to be dramatic with that. Like it really helped me so much. And I didn't really think that it would. And then when I was researching the book, I found a couple studies that actually show, it was a study about expressive writing, which is essentially journaling. It's like mm-hmm. writing about your feelings and how it improved people's happiness and I was like there we go like science this for myself yeah and so it really surprised me but I totally believe it well and I want to point out too and I think that I have I'm very lucky and blessed and you know privileged as well I know that but in just in the realm of my friends and that I've I've worked really hard but I'm very lucky to have people that I can share my stories and that pain and those stories can bear the weight of that. I have been in friendships where that was not the case. And so I know that a lot of people listening don't have that friend or friends where they can come to and show all of their things that they deem like the not pretty side of them. Mm -hmm. So I think that for those of you listening that don't have that person, they don't have their Amy in their life that start with a journal, start just getting really honest with yourself. And I'm sure that your book has like prompts and things like powerful questions to ask themselves if you're like, yeah, it's all prompts. Yes. And you don't need that many. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need that many powerful questions. So go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 109. I have one more question for you, Katie, before we wrap it up. It's a question I ask all of my guests. And that question is, what surprises you about the work you do with women? Oh, that's so good. I think, you know, what surprises me with women is how similar we all are. I think... You know, we kind of had a moment of that earlier today. I think so often I've felt like I'm the only one who feels this way. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I vulnerably share, it's like, oh, wow, there's a bunch of other people who feel this way. And every time I'm on a mentoring call with one of the girls that I work with and she shares something with me and I'm like, oh, my God, I totally did that. Because, of course, you attract people who have had similar experiences Mm -hmm. to you. And I'll have like the perfect because I've come out the other end of it. I'll have the perfect, you know, I coach for my experience. I have the perfect, you know anecdote for them and they're like what I'm not alone that I wasn't the only one who felt that way and they're so shocked by it and I'm like no you're not and it sometimes still surprises me that that is the case you know that we all are so similar and and the human experience is, is so similar of course we have like unique things but I think the way that we generally feel is that we're alone and what I really hope my work does I'm not an expert I'm just a journaling enthusiast I don't claim to be an expert in anything I'm just still learning but I'm just growing up online and sharing my experiences online in this really truthful authentic way and hoping that that makes people feel less alone because me sharing makes me feel less alone. So I think that's the thing we all really want is to feel like we're not the only one going through this and to have support and yeah, just not be alone. I love that. It's so true. And you know, Kristen Neff is a researcher in Texas and she studies a lot about self-kindness and self-compassion. And that's one of the elements is that piece of common humanity and just being kind to yourself on the path of knowing that you're not the only one. And that's so important. So I'm glad you said that. Thank you so much for being here. And tell oh my everyone, gosh, thank you. they can go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 109, but if they want to go directly, where can someone pick up a copy of your book, Easy Peasy? 
it's at Barnes Noble or their local bookstore or, you know, of course, on Amazon. There's a link to it on my website, of course, on your website. Yeah. So, I mean, anywhere that books are sold. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love this book. I love talking about this work. I love the work you do. So anyone who is a friend of Andrea's is a friend of mine. Yeah. I'm check out my website and my podcast, too. Andrea's going to be on as a guest soon, too. And really psyched that I was here. Well, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, we will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Bye. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.